From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And it's election time, and there's nothing like an election to affect uh, the shape of appropriations on Capitol Hill and how Congress spends our money. So what we wanted to do today was take a look at what this election could mean for appropriations. Let's consider what we think polls suggest would be the two most likely scenarios here. One would be a Democratic sweep where Democrats win the White House, the House, and the Senate. And the second would be if Republicans retain the Senate uh, with or without Donald Trump in the White House. I don't think at that point it will matter that much whether Trump is in the White House or not. Um, But in other words, if Republicans have some say here in Washington starting next year. So let's look at those two scenarios and see what those could mean for appropriations, just in broad strokes, the kind of things that we'd be facing next year. So Jen, let's start with a Democratic sweep of, of White House, House and Senate. Let's take a look at what that would mean, because I think that really does say a lot about spending priorities uh, because you've had a, you've had, you would then have a president Joe Biden with a lot of leverage to fundamentally reshape spending priorities. Right. And I think there's some really sort of big picture changes that we would see in terms of spending levels and spending policy if we had a democratic sweep. But I think before we get to that sort of new Congress and new administration scenario in January, Congress has a lot of work to do during the lame duck session. And one of the sort of dynamics that's going on right now is that, you know, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said several times during the last few months that she really wants to wrap up spending bills and wrap up one final big coronavirus relief aid package during the lame duck session because if Democrats do sweep, she wants the Biden administration to be able to come in and start with their agenda on day one. She doesn't want the new Congress and a new administration to have to be sort of doing cleanup work from this Congress's sort of leftover legislative items. And so on the one hand, that puts a lot of momentum behind doing some very big spending bills and authorizing bills like the annual defense authorization bill during the lame duck session. On the other hand, are Democrats, particularly progressives, really going to want to negotiate a final set of spending bills with President Donald Trump, who's still going to be pushing really hard, even if he loses re-election, for border wall spending um, and higher immigration detention bed capacity and all of those issues that have sort of bogged down the appropriations process during the last four years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Pelosi has said she wants an omnibus spending package to wrap up this year's bills. Uh, in the lame duck. But boy, it's, it is easy for me to see how if Democrats sweep in the elections, they would have a lot of motivation to just do another stopgap and push this off into early next year when they would have all the power to write these spending bills. So I don't know. I, I, that could go either way, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking we, we would be looking at another stopgap measure and there'd be more cleanup work to do in the new Congress. I tend to agree with you, especially when we get into the issues that are going along with defense appropriations. 
you know, there's an actual debate right now about Confederate, you know, names on military installations. And that's something that Trump has really dug in his heels on and also something that Democrats and some moderate Republicans feel pretty passionately that should be changed as the nation continues to try to address systemic racism and all of the issues that go with that. And yeah. so there's just, there's new issues that they haven't resolved before. You know, they've sort of come to a sort of tentative agreement on border wall spending. We don't know how that calculation would change post-election, but there are some new issues that have cropped up this year um, that could, you know, really cause issues um, doing something like a hybrid package where maybe they get agreement on defense, labor HHS education, maybe a couple of smaller bills, and then do a CR for the rest of government. I think there's a lot of issues, you know, policy and political that might prevent that from happening in the lame duck. But my biggest point, I think, of the Democratic sweep, and it may, you're right, this may bleed over from the lame duck into the new year, but I do think that a Democratic sweep most fundamentally would mean much more robust coronavirus relief and coronavirus relief, I mean, this pandemic is not going away. It's going to be with us for, for much of next year, I think it's clear. And there's going to be probably several more aid packages for that, to address that. And Democrats, you already see them using the pandemic as a way to, to push a lot of their priorities. You know, when Pelosi talks about expanding a refundable child tax credit, an earned income tax credit, that's, you know, those don't directly relate to the pandemic, it, but it, it does align with, with the democratic values that they have. And so they're meshing the two. And I think you could see a lot of things end up in a coronavirus relief package that, that, that are broader than just coronavirus relief that they'd be pushing as, as part of their annual appropriations as well. And if you think of the size the package could be, I think it's really striking to me. You know, last May, Democrats pushed a $3.4 trillion package, which was more than they've, Congress has even ever passed for coronavirus relief at one time. That hasn't gone anywhere. But imagine if Democrats take the elections and, and, have, and control everything, the $3.4 trillion is going to go even higher because since then they've said there's, there's been even more needs mounting as the pandemic lingers. Restaurants, hotels, I mean, I mean more, more things keep adding up. I mean, we, we could see a, a, an aid package of multi-trillion dollars here quite easily, I think, next, next year. That is definitely a possibility. And I think one of the really important spaces to continue watching with respect to government spending is when there is an approved vaccine, how there is funding to distribute that vaccine. You know, who is going to be in charge of that? Is this going to be an issue where you know, states declare states of emergency and mobilize the National Guard to distribute vaccines? Or is this going to be something where the federal government is completely in charge of it in one way or another? And where does that funding come from to have, you know, we've seen these sort of drive-through COVID testing sites and walk-up COVID testing sites and doctor's offices that are having issues making sure they have enough of these tests to do on people who present with symptoms. And I think, you know, after months of this, we still hear from Democrats that they're frustrated that the Trump administration doesn't have a, you know, national strategic COVID testing plan. But one of the things that I haven't really seen yet is, you know, sort of in, in the weeds 
budget breakdown of how much it's going to cost to distribute one vaccine or more vaccines. And one of the issues that's come up with this lately is that one of the vaccines that's in trials needs these really extremely cold freezers in order for it to stay um, active or whatever the correct term is there. And these getting these freezers is extremely expensive. Um, and there's not that many of them out there. You know, it's, you can't just stick it in your run-of-the-mill house freezer um, because the vaccine will no longer work when injected. And so there's all of these really big hurdles to actually getting this under control when a vaccine is approved. And so I think, you know, that's not really something that we're hearing a lot about in negotiations right now. So I think depending on what the politics are after election day, this is something that's going to, that Congress and whatever administration they have in January is really going to struggle with. Yeah. So, I mean, to that extent, no matter who wins uh, in these elections, COVID and the pandemic are really going to dominate appropriations, I think, for some time to come. It, it certainly delayed this year's appropriations and, and overshadowed it all. And it will do so, I think, again next year, I hate to say. But beyond the pandemic, I think the other thing we would see, in a, in a if it's a Democratic sweep, we certainly would see higher levels of, of non-defense spending. Because you know Biden has made all of these promises on infrastructure, on healthcare, on education, uh, on uh, childcare. Uh, there's been lots so much of promises. Lots of promises that add up to trillions of dollars over a decade. Um, so you will clearly see higher levels of non-defense discretionary spending out of a Democratic administration, and. They will, to some extent, have a freer hand to boost spending because for ne next year will be the end of the 2011 deficit reduction law. This is the, the law we've been living in now for over a decade that set these strict spending caps that required both parties to really basically do freezing spending levels to, or minimal increases. Um, with that removed, They'll have to work out how much to spend, but they will, if, if Democrats control all of Washington, there will be a lot of incentive for them to boost spending to meet all of these long pent-up priorities that they have. Yeah, and I'm also very curious to see what happens with defense spending. We've been hearing from progressive Democrats for quite a long time that they'd like to you know, reduce the amount of money the federal government spends every year on defense spending. Um, they feel that there's too much sort of waste in the annual defense budget and that that money would be better spent on other areas, um, you know, like education priorities and healthcare and things like that. And so I'm very curious to see how, if there's a democratic sweep, whether or not progressive Democrats are actually able to leverage that into, you know, even just holding the line on flat funding for defense discretionary spending um, or if the rest of the party, people who don't lean as left as some progressives, say this really isn't the time to do that, um, given everything that we've seen from you know North Korea, China, and Russia in the last few years. And so I think that's going to be another very fascinating debate in next year's budget and appropriations process. Right. And if Democrats win, get ready for a lot of talk about budget reconciliation, that awful phrase, uh, because that's the streamlining process they use to advance major initiatives and avoid a Senate filibuster. And I think there'll be a lot of talk about that next year under Democratic control, 
because a lot of this stuff can, a lot of spending related stuff can pass through reconciliation measures, just like Republicans use that for their big tax cuts. Uh, that's what's going to happen here if Biden pushes a health care plan, say, or infrastructure spending, or it's a lot of things that, that could go through reconciliation. And so we're going to hear a lot of talk about that too. Yes. Well, if the legislative filibuster continues to exist in the Senate. But I do think there, there's, there's one thing that, two things really that might restrain Democratic spending. One is Democrats won't have 60 votes in the Senate. Even if they win control of the Senate, nobody thinks they're actually, I mean, barring some surprise, of course, no one really thinks that they would actually get 60 votes in the Senate. So that means they still need some cooperation with Republicans. That's a, that's a constraint on them. If the legislative filibuster continues to be in place, which is a serious question right now. It's an actual debate that's happening. I don't think we should just push that to the side. I suppose we could be talking real revolutionary stuff and, and no more Senate filibuster, which would change the dynamics here entirely. Um, so that's a good point. But I guess I'm assuming no revolution, in which case <laughs> there would still be some constraint on Democrats, but we'll see. You're right. And there is tension that, that I think we're going to see build up next year between the moderate and progressive wings of the Democratic Party. And how that plays out, I think, will be very interesting. Because progressives obviously want even more spending than the moderates do, and that Biden may be willing to countenance. So you're going to see a little bit of weighing there, whether the moderates can restrain the progressives and to what extent that plays out, is another mitigating factor here. But overall, Democratic sweep, much higher non-defense spending, much more COVID aid. And now, let's, let's, before we run out of time, let's talk quickly about if Republicans retain the Senate, Jen. What do you think we're talking about there? I think in terms of the lame duck, I do think that there would be a lot of incentives to try to finish up the 12 annual spending bills um, and get a COVID package. Whether or not they ride on the same legislative vehicle, I think remains to be seen because I think not a lot of negotiating standpoints are going to change if Democrats in the House and Republicans in the Senate still need to negotiate these bills between themselves. Obviously, a Biden administration would change a lot, but I don't think it's going to change so much if Republicans still have the Senate that Democrats will try to push everything off. Um, that being said, during the lame duck, there are a lot of real debates on these spending bills that will have to get worked out before December 11th, which is a very short turnaround. Um, I've heard from a lot of staff that that you know, can be done on a condensed shortened timetable and that they've definitely done shorter timetables before in terms of conferencing all the spending bills, but that this is something that, um, you know, leadership really needs to make a determination quickly about whether or not they want everything done by December 11th. And then, you know, sort of give negotiators some latitude to cut deals. Yeah. And I also think more broadly, I think what it would mean if Republicans keep the Senate I think you'd have smaller amounts of, of COVID relief. They want it more targeted. They want it more limited. If Biden's in the White House, there would certainly be, you'd hear more Republicans complain a lot more often about rising deficits. We've had them under Trump, but they really hate them under a Democratic president. And that would be an excuse for Republicans to try to rein in spending even more. And there would be a need for some kind of bipartisan deal on, to set new spending limits and I think you would see, we don't know what that would look like yet, but I think it would likely continue the trend of recent years, which is that 
any increases in spending should be divvied up equally between defense and non-defense. That has sort of been the bipartisan way they've gotten budget deals together is, is just as much for defense as non-defense. That, that sort of parity argument, I think, could continue if, if Republicans have a hand in controlling things next year. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>